welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. When I was 19, I was remarkably stupid in a lot of ways. Um, So I was really remarkably stupid with money. I didn't know what I was doing at all. So I remember uh, I was completely in debt, tons of like just debt in every way, owed everybody money. And so I broke up with my girlfriend at the time, and I was like, you know, I just want to do something for me. I'm going to go out for me and just like, you know what, screw the world. And so I went to Best Buy and got a $500 Best Buy gift card or like a credit card. And literally, I think that day I spent about $400 of that. Like I bought like an Xbox. Just like, this just helps me feel better. And uh, so just horrible credit. And so I wanted to get a credit card again because I felt like somehow I have things that I want to do. I had, you know, a big vision. So we want these things that we think are important to us. So we need money to get them. And I didn't have money. And I don't think the value, I didn't think the value of saving, that takes too much time. I just need a credit card to do these things, whatever it may be. I don't even remember what it was. So I was online researching how to get a credit card with bad credit. And I came across this one website you know, that basically is you're already, you know, it's like, here, here he comes. And so uh, I, I went to this website, and basically how it works is you get, how they branded it was you get a real credit card. Uh, it's not just like some gift card, but you get a whatever else would not be a real credit card, but you get a real credit card with a Visa logo on it. All you have to do is pay $300. And so I was like, well, that seems to, you know, that makes sense because my credit's bad, so they want to make sure I'm invested into it. So I'm basically, it's the biggest sham on the planet. You're giving somebody money so that you can give them more money. So that's what I did. I, I called them up, and the lady was really kind and nice. She's like, yeah, this is how it works. And you just pay your 300 And I was like, okay. And so I literally gave them 300 of my hard-earned dollars and two weeks later, I get this packet in the mail, but there's no credit card. It's just a lot of information. And I'm like, what is all this? How does this even work? So I called up, and they're like, oh, we can't talk to you about that. You've got to call this special number. So I started getting a little feelings of that I was violated because I had my $300, and I didn't have my credit card. And so I called this special number. It's like a fax machine, and it was just bad. So it turns out I was literally just hosed. I was completely hoaxed, I was completely hosed, I was hustled, and it felt good in the beginning, that's what I'm going to do, and it felt like they were on my team, it felt like they were on my side, and then right out of nowhere, I completely just feel violated, and they took advantage of me with their crafty ways, and they thought it was all going to, you know, they were manipulating me, but I didn't see it coming. Satan is like that. Satan is like that. We're continuing our series called Veritas, which is truth for Latin. Over the last couple weeks, first week we talked about the Bible, and everything we're going to talk about over the next maybe six to eight weeks is going to be based on what this book says, but if you don't believe this book is actually truth, then we have a problem. So the first week, if you haven't listened to the first week, I'd encourage you to go look at the podcast and on our website and hear that message. And so last week, Pastor Jorgen came. Uh, He spoke to us about being image bearers of God and what that is, that truth. And so today we're continuing through this progression and talking about Satan and sin. So before we really get into the subject matter of the message, there's a couple points that we need to clear up. Number one, some people don't even believe that Satan's real. They don't believe that hell is a real place. They don't believe that there's really anything such as sin. Well, Satan is real. It's in scripture. Jesus talks about Satan Jesus' brother, James, who led the church in Jerusalem, talked about Satan. John the Beloved talked about Satan. Peter talked about Satan. 
Paul talked about Satan. The devil is a real entity. If you believe the scripture, which here we're Bible-believing people, so it's in the scripture, sin and Satan are real entities. So that's number one. You know, oftentimes we think of, you know, where did sin come from? So we have to understand first that the original sin, we think about the story of uh, the, in the garden with Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, they took of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we would say that that would be the original sin that's housed in every person. That's why we need redemption. That's why we need a savior. But really, the original sin happened before that, if you really think about it, because when Satan, prior to being Satan, was Lucifer, Lucifer was with God. He was one of the angels, and we don't really know much about this. The Bible doesn't speak too much about this backstory, um, and a lot of times we, we get hung up on the things we don't quite understand. But we have to say we know, we know a little bit, we know some of it, but we don't know it all, and that's okay. And I think that's the first part of being a believer, is that you don't have all the answers. I think we need to be okay with that. Sometimes, especially in the cu- country that we live in, we need to have all the answers. And you've got to be judge, jury, does this make sense? Okay, good, I put my stamp of approval on it. And the things that you can't put your stamp of approval on, well, that's not real, that's not a real thing. And I think if we knew all the answers, we wouldn't need to be called believers. We need to have faith. So... So what we read in Revelations is that Lucifer was there up with God and and he fell. He was prideful and tried to oppose God, tried to be God essentially. And he was cast out him and he took a third of heaven's angels with him. So because of his pride, he was sent to earth and he was sent and cast out from heaven. So this is the picture that we see. So, So God, so let me speak to that too. There's times that we have questions about that. How? How could have Satan had that in his heart? Who tempted Satan? How did he get these thoughts in his mind? Why would he do that? I thought that in everything's perfect and God made perfect things. And this is one of those things where we have to leave it alone. That's hard for some people. You don't have the answers, but that's okay. The world will tell you, I'm not going to believe it until I find answers. You don't need to convince them. That's, the Spirit does those type of works. But these are things that we, it's okay to not have the answers to. We just don't know. God has not revealed that to us. It's not in his word. We, you can start to make up a, a dissertation of what you think that would be the cause of that, but we really don't know. And that's sort of God's domain, not ours. And I think that's part of the Veritas truth. Before we even begin into the subject matter of the message, there's things that we just don't have answers to. And before we tend to go any further in Scripture... We get hung up on that. But if we believe the word, if we're believers and we believe the word of God, that we know that we, there's things that we're just not going to have answers to at all. So, so Satan, the word Satan means to oppose, to obstruct in the Hebrew. So he went from being called Lucifer to be called Satan, and that's what he is set out to do. His mission is not only to have you serve him by way of, responding to your flesh nature and your sin nature. But ultimately, his mission is to separate you in every way, shape, and form from the living God who desires true, intimate relationship with you. This intimate relationship that God wants with you came at the highest price possible, which was his son who died for us so that we could have intimate relationship with the Father. So that's what Satan's main mission is to do, is to disrupt 
and disjoint your relationship with God. That is his mission in every way. He does this through not this overarching, I'm going to come at your doorstep and I'm going to look like a big scary being or entity. He does it by slowly picking away and making crafty, crafty statements and manipulating. But ultimately, he is a lion and he will pounce on you. So today, uh, most of you aren't even listening to what I'm saying because you're thinking about the Patriots and the Colts. Uh, So I can appreciate that. I was reading an article. It was uh, basically, it was an Indianapolis news outlet and the headline was, the arrogant New England Patriots think they're going to slaughter the Colts. And so this whole thing was all about how we think they're not going to bring their A game. We're going to destroy them. I can guarantee you they will bring their A game. And it's something that you're not going to want to miss as far as a game is concerned. But this is the thought I was thinking about this morning as I was thinking about this message, but also having thoughts of Patriots and Colts. I, uh, I was thinking, like, what if there was a way that we could get the Colts playbook? As a matter of fact, what if there was a way that we could, in, during the game, have access to the coach and his team on his headset and get that directly loaded to Bill Belichick? Wouldn't that be great to get every piece of information, every player they're going to run? That would, be, that would be like a game 100 to 0. We would know every player they're going to do. We would just say, okay, rearrange your D, get on this guy. Oh, this running back is going to go this way, and it would be over. We would destroy them. Today's message, we're going to talk about the way that the enemy works and we're going to look at a case study in Genesis, what this hopefully will do for you is you have the playbook of Satan because he's been doing it the same way since the beginning of time with the two, first two human beings on the planet. So today, when we think about truth, today we want to look at how Satan works and what his method is. It's the same thing for every person. It doesn't change. It may manifest differently and look differently for each one, but the mechanics in which he does it is always the same. So that's what we're going to look at today. And I hope that you leave today feeling more confident in your faith and feeling more confident that you understand and know the plans and how the enemy wants to attack you. So are we ready to jump in the word today? Ready to do that? Can I get an amen? Amen. Ready to go there? Yes. All right. So someone said, go team. Right. Yeah, let's go team. So Genesis 3, 1 through 7 is the first text we're going to look at today in scripture. Genesis 3, 1 through 7. So the backstory on this Genesis 3 section is Satan has been sent to earth. That's where he dwells. God, why would you send us to the same place Satan is? Okay, I have to leave that alone. So we're there, we're in the garden, and Satan's in the garden. And he is, he comes across, he's now with Eve, and they begin to have a dialogue. Thank you very much, my brother. They begin to have dialogue, and this is where we pick up the story in Genesis 3, 1 through 7. Um, sorry, I don't think we have this one, so hopefully you brought your Bible, you can follow along with me. I'm in the ESV version. So the first verse right out of the gate is a description of who Satan is and and what he is. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. That description of Satan is very accurate and we're going to dissect that in a little bit. He said to the woman, 
did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? So I want to pause right there. Any problem, any thing that opposes God, any sin that you have, any, in a sense, anything that opposes God begins with this statement that Satan will plant in a crafty way in your head. Did God actually say? Most times you will struggle with things and then you will fail and sin. It always begins with the starting point of, did God actually say that? We have a spirit-filled life as believers and every day we have an intimate relationship with the Father and he begins to speak words to us. It's not just in what the Bible says, it's the Holy Spirit that came because of this incredible grace God has for us that now we are the temple and we house the Holy of Holies which, and we have the Holy Spirit inside of us who then we have intimate access to the Father and he begins to speak words. And a lot of times he begins to show us things because we believe and then Satan takes those things and starts to plant. Did God actually say that? Did God actually say? So let's keep reading. It says in verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the, true of the, the, the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest y- you die. And I think right there, what she did was incredibly brilliant. That's always what we want to do. We can learn from Eve right here and say, when there is that that section of doubt that comes in or that word of doubt, what do you need to do? You need to quote the word. What does God say? That's what Eve did. Eve quoted the word. So when those forms and thoughts of doubts come in, before even sin enters your mind, you have these temptations and doubts and going another direction, your first reaction, just like Eve, is to quote the word. Now, she didn't have a Bible per se, but she's quoting what? What God said. Sometimes God said th- says things to you in your, for your life and your future and for what his plan is for you or just daily living that may not be in the word, but you know that it was the Holy Spirit that was doing the speaking to you in your heart, right? So if God's saying for you to go in a direction, there's that, did God really say that? No, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I know, give me strength to believe. Then that's when you can quote scripture. I will not, I'm going to take every thought captive. That's not going to enter my thinking in the name of Jesus. Lord, be with me. You said I should not be in fear. I will not fear these things. I'm going to walk with you. That's when we begin to study the word. And so let's continue to read. So she says, if I, I can't touch it, lest you, lest you die. That's what God said. Then it says in verse 4, But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Right there, what should she have done? She should have 
quoted scripture again. Do you think the enemy comes at you once and then you quote scripture or you say this is what the Lord says and it stops? You've got to understand, his mission is to destroy your life, and the way he does that is by separating you from God. So he's not going to come at you once. He's not going to come at you twice. He's going to continue to bring you down and bring you down to Chinatown. He wants to take you out and make sure that you have no intimate relationship because he, care, he wants you to worship him, but more importantly, he doesn't want you to worship God. That's the one platform that he almost removes himself from. I will raise you up. No, it's you. You will be like God. You are going to be, you're going to be able to decide what you want to do. He props you up and he's like the silent partner. He removes himself. That's why people, a good example of that is in the world. People say, you know, it's like good things happen to you. It's like, oh, you have just good luck. Bad things happen. God, why did you do that? Come on. It's like no one wants to acknowledge Satan at all. Like bad things would never happen from Satan, you freak. Good God, why would you do that? It's the only time you hear about God is when people want to blame something. It's an act of God. Ugh. Eve should have quoted scripture again. I told you we're going to look at this as a case study for us to understand how the enemy wants to come and attack you, attack your family, attack the plan that God has for you, get you away from what we would say is the spirit works that were predestined before even time began for you, he doesn't want you to engage in the plan that God has for your life. So what you need to do is you need to ensure that you are continuously getting engaged with the Father. I, I'm really sad because what the idea of prayer and uh, uh, getting in the word has been reduced to a cliche term. You know, you should just read your Bible and pray. When people hear that, read your Bible and pray. Huh? Yeah, I know, I've heard that before. That's just so sad to me. Because it's that very thing, reading your Bible and praying, that will help you thwart the plans and the power of the enemy. The enemy has power. Not sure if you know that. The enemy has power. Jesus refers to the enemy as a strong man in the Gospels. He, I don't think he was playing around when he said strong man. But it takes the stronger man to kill the strong man. And that's where the power of the word is. So when you hear someone say, just read your Bible and pray, yes, you'll be tempted to say, well, that's just a cliche term. But when you apply it, because, not because you're doing your duty, but because you believe things will be transformed in your life and you will be able to overcome the attacks of the enemy. So let's continue to read and see what happens because she didn't quote what the word said again, the word of God. It says in verse 6, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes, and the tree was to be desired and make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then their eyes were both opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. It's kind of like that thing where we all have had a situation where we are really tempted to do what we want to do because we're doing our free thing and we get to the point where where we know we shouldn't but we end up doing it and how do we feel we feel horrible we feel completely disgusting we feel like we've completely not only disappointed god but we also feel as though we've damaged ourselves you hear this a lot with a lot of young couples or young people who um have sex before marriage or 
or break vows or any type of uh, way that we can distort a relationship. You lie to a friend, they find out, and, and it was in the moment, it was the flesh and it, what you thought you needed to do, but then you, 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 you get confronted with the truth and it makes you feel horrific. And that's, that's what happened here with Eve. So I want to boil this down for you in a very simple form in the way that, this, that the enemy works. Step number one, it's always going to be, did God actually say? When you have doubt, it's always going to be here. Scripture tells us to take every thought captive. Now Eve began to do that. No, I shouldn't because this is what the Lord says. But Satan had planted that element of doubt. So he began to work at it. He said, no, that's not what God says. He works at it again. This is actually what you'll get. You'll be like God. How many of us really at the end of the day, we want to be like God? I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I want to do what I want to do. And don't tell me how to live. I'm going to live the way my, my life, the way I think it should live. That's being like God. That's in every one of us. It's called the original sin. We were born with it because of these two. That's just how it works. So that's why you have to live a sanctified life by believing and reading your Bible every single day and praying and connecting with God every single day. That's the only way that you can remove yourself from what we have in each one of us, which is I want to do my thing my way all the time in the way I choose. And don't tell me how to do it with your religion. The first step, he plants a seed of doubt. You need to quote the word. Then he makes, he sweetens the deal. Well, no, this is what it will do. It keeps working at you. Not by, I'm Satan with a pitchfork and scary. It's like, no, I'm going to come to you and masquerade as an angel of light. Look at me go. I'm just so smooth. We're going to talk about that in a second. Then what happens is he will continue to work at you. And then when he knows he has you, God did not say that is what he says. God did not tell you that. That's when he pounces on you. When the seed of doubt has been planted, he will pounce on you. And left to your own will, left to your own self, you will do exactly what she did. Every problem, every circumstance, every situation in your life, you can, any sin or problem you've had, you can reduce it always to that. This is the first interaction of the enemy, our adversary, to, with a human being. This is something that you want to pay attention to. He was that good then. How much better do you think he is going to be now? Now, I don't know if there's a process of growing in stature and wisdom in the spiritual realm, but I can only imagine he starts to understand, oh, people are the same every single time, so I'll just keep doing what works. That's exactly what happens. This is the beginning point of someone apostatizing from their faith, apostasy, walking away from their faith, saying, I don't believe it anymore. It was the beginning point of doubt. You notice how when those beginning points of doubt, what your will and what you desire never wants to be to go to Jesus. I have doubt. Okay, Lord, you need to help me. It's, I have doubt. And these things look pretty, yeah, that's right and that's right. You're never consulting the Holy Spirit. You always want to set, but the moment that doubt plants in, you don't want to engage there. You don't want to get on your knees and pray and say, Lord, help me with my unbelief, as it says in scripture. Help me in my unbelief. I want to believe. That's a work of the Spirit. That's why we have to be plugged in and connected. But when you let that seed of doubt plant, it's done. That's the case study. Please write that down. Please read 
every so often Genesis 3 to remind yourself of how the enemy works. This is the playbook of the cults, you can call it. I'm not saying that the cults are the devil. But what I am saying is that that's really how he's going to work in your life. And boy, doesn't doubt feel so right. When you doubt, you, that's the point of doubt. You're doubting. So it's very difficult to just decide by your choice to go, I need to consult God about this. That's why it's got to be every day on it, in the word, letting the word transform you. Left to yourself, you will not, you will not be transformed. You have to be engaged in God's word so that you can take these things captive. Because that battle starts here. Satan comes in this way through your mind, rejiggering things, and then it seeds into your heart. It's only this book and only this book that will begin to work from your heart and renew your mind in the way that you live. So if you want to get to the source of it, start here. Don't try to figure out all my Satan thoughts and, oh, and you justify things and it's like, oh, that seems to make sense. And yeah, I'm going to continue to do that. And then you make ridiculous decisions. And then you get caught with your ridiculous decision. You realize how ridiculous it was. It's like, why did I ever think that? Well, that's because you're original sin and you need to be transformed and renewed by the renewing of your mind and sanctification through the word, right? So going on further, Satan, it says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, he masquerades as an angel of light. Masquerade ball, ever heard of it? Seriously, I'm not actually saying that sarcastically. I do say that a lot. But have you actually ever heard of a masquerade ball? Everyone comes together and they have their masks and everyone's having a good time. And it's like no one knows anybody, but they have the cool masks. That's what I think about with Satan's little parade he puts on. He masquerades as an angel of light. And obviously he's not a real angel of light because he never leads you to Jesus. He leads you away from Jesus. So what's the light then? What is the masquerading as an angel of light? Light in scripture, if you look at the element of light, it always points to what's good and it points to what is God. Jesus said, I'm not good. It's, It's God who is good. Why do you call me good? So light and good connect. That means God. So when he's masquerading as an angel of light, it means that it's good in your eyes, but not good to God. So if you think that Satan's going to come at you and say, you need to murder somebody when you've never had the thought of murdering somebody, and you reduce Satan's tactics to the Ten Commandments and don't do those, like you would never steal. And so you think that Satan, the way Satan tempts me, is going to come and say, don't, you're going to steal. I want you to steal. They're like, I would never steal. I'm first one too wimpy to even do that. I would go to jail. I don't want to steal. What he does is he comes and does, he tempts you with the things that you want, not the things that you think are wrong. We don't, according to you, you don't do the things that you think are wrong. You do the things that you think that you should do. That's light. To Satan's perspective, it's false light, but it's good for you. I need to just, I, these, they're my friends. And it's like, everyone's like, yeah, but I don't think they're like the really the best connection for you. It's like, but no, they're my friends and I'm just gonna minister to them when we go to the club. I'm gonna minister to them when I get there and somehow figure it out and God will just help me and lead me there and I'll just go do that and have fun. He masquerades as an angel of light. It's what you want to do. That's why you will be, de- he's the deceiver. Ever heard of it? He, he comes in in scripture and he, he will manipulate so it looks good and it tastes good. That's the very reason why Eve failed because it looked good and it's the lust of the eyes. 
and the lust of the heart. And it's like, yeah, that feels good. So don't think that Satan's going to be the evil one. You don't recognize real evil unless you're planted in the word. It's that goodness that Satan has, the fake goodness where he wants to come in and manipulate. And it always begins by saying, did God really say that? You know what's funny about this message is this week, my wife and I have had two pretty substantial arguments. I would say like real, legit, like, well, you didn't do that. That sort of thing. That's what I said. Laura, she, my wife, she's great. She, she's great. She, she shared with me something. She's like, this is how I think that when I boil you down. Now, this is when we were in a good space. She wasn't like making accusations. I thought it was pretty accurate. She said, Jesse, she's like, at, like when I boil you down to just when you're you without the Holy Spirit, this is the two things. One, you never will do anything anybody else wants you to do. And secondarily, when everyone else is doing things, you will never do that thing. You'll always be wanting to be different. And when I, I, I immediately, the flesh wanted to rise and say, you're wrong. But I thought about that and I was like, that's pretty accurate, actually. And I think what the way that God builds us is he builds us with characteristics and he builds us with um, things that he wants to use for his kingdom. And then what happens is the enemy takes those qualities that he's built in you and he twists those things. So what she was sharing with me was just like, that's kind of how the enemy works. And I was like, that's kind of true. So anyway, so this week we were, that was just kind of a separate nugget that I felt would be appropriate. But this week we were just, there's two times where I was like, I actually said after we, I just kind of, this is right, some people are going to my life, but this is right before you guys arrived at Life Group. So you can see how good we fake it. Um, so I was like, after that, I was just like, and that, it was amazing because we had life group and that was exactly what we needed. That was just like, okay, Lord, do this work. And I, you know, my heart began to soften. I was like, and I repented to her. I said, I said, that was just honestly demonic. That was demonic. It was something, I don't remember the last time we just had something like that. And I share that with you because I, I truly believe that there's some truth in this message that some of you will really be able to uh, walk differently because of some of the ways that we've brought to light. The enemy doesn't want to be brought to light. I'm not bringing a scare thing, but I think that what was happening is I believe that God allowed those things to happen to say this is serious stuff and I think that this is, this is very important and I need to show you the way that the enemy works because when we're left to ourselves, when we're not doing word stuff, the enemy will attack you. And it's not to, again, not to scare you and, oh boy. No, I think what it is is actually you scare the enemy. That's what he wants you to think is, be scared of me. No, actually, you're scared of me because all I have to do is just read this one scripture and you will flee. That's how it works. You tempt me or you try to bring me doubt. And it's like, read, oh, greater is he who is in me than he is in the world. Satan, Satan, he's gone. That's how that works. But you have to continue to do that. So he masquerades as the angel of light. I want to bring one more point together on this, and it's this. Jesus always gives us the best example on how to engage this. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. His, he was getting pounded on by, by Satan, and he did not accept anything that Satan had to offer, and they were all good things, power, and fame, and, 
and, you know, presence and position. And he rejected each one of those things. And I think what's healthy to look at with him is that he continued, he, he, he was the example that was set for us. He continued to say, nope, this is what scripture says. Nope, this is what scripture says. Nope, this is what scripture says. Eve did it, but she did it once. This is what God said once, but she didn't think that Satan would continue to chase after her. And Jesus saw that, knew that, knew that that was the truth and who he is, and he kept quoting scripture. There's no one in here that can tell me that when you continue to quote scripture, when you can continue to dive in the word, it doesn't matter what is before you, nothing will stand against you. It will not happen if you truly believe. Not, you're not quoting it like it's like, oh, that's happening, so I, I gotta quote scripture. But it's through that relationship as you're reading and God's showing you things. The beauty is that God knows the plan before it even happens. So don't you think God would know the attacks before they're going to come? And maybe the day before or a week before or whatever it may be that he would show you and then you would be able to quote the very scripture you just read? How many times has that happened to us? I mean, it happens to me all the time. There's things that happen or you know what happens? The Holy Spirit reminds you of scripture. That's what it says in, in, in the gospels about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says the spirit will be there to do what? To remind you of my teachings. So God is more in control than you think that he is. And if you just would submit yourself to the word, you would be able to engage on a whole nother level and have such freedom, such freedom in your life. So we're going to close out. The worship team can come up now. We're going to close out with uh, one more scripture because we love the Bible. <coughs> Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. If you'll turn there with me, I believe we have that on the, on the board here. Ephesians 6, 11 through 18. The, the, battle, the battle that we face, everybody, is not a battle against flesh and blood. The, the battle that we face is uh, of evil principalities in the unseen world. So anything that you see in the flesh and blood is just simply a manifestation of what's happening in the supernatural. And we believe the supernatural because we believe in God. So it says in uh, Ephesians 6, 11 through 18, he says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what we're talking about, which is stand against the schemes of the devil. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. A lot of words to say there's something else going on and it's not what we can see. It's a pretty big thing happening. He's using words like cosmic. The only time I heard the word cosmic was when I was thinking about something in outer space or some comic book. It means it's a pretty big deal he's talking about. So let's continue to read. He says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day we're in the evil day, folks. And having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of veritas, belt of truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That would be sanctified living. Living holy as I am holy, he, Jesus says. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the, by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. Yes, by believing with which you can extinguish through all the flaming darts of the evil one 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the, sword, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Amen. That is the word. That is the truth. And I really want to encourage each one of you, as you're beginning to process this week, this, this is a pretty, I think it's a pretty significant message in the series. It gives you the enemy's playbook. I I would really encourage you that as for you, this is how you're going to live it out. This is how you're going to experience real breakthrough. This is how you're going to experience the Lord in a new way because he's given you now tools to fight back with and it's found in his word. So if you'll stand with me, we'll, we're going to close with a song and, and I, would, I would ask of you if, if there are things that you feel as though that are, are hindering you, can I challenge each one of you to take this section of scripture, Ephesians 6, 11 through 18, and, and read it this week. Study it. Don't just read it once. Read it for a week. Be- begin to fill in the blanks for the areas that you s- tend to have struggles with. Begin to put this in place of that. And what I mean by that is identify and call out the things that you struggle with. That a lot of times in our faith, we tend to uh, pretend that there's nothing going on and we just put on a fake smile and and we don't really ever want to let God be in the mix of the problems that we have. I was talking with someone this week. We had him over last night and, and he said to me, I'm legitimately having problems believing in God. I just don't believe like I used to believe. I just don't believe that even he's real. I just, I, I don't see that anymore. And then this is what he said, which I thought was remarkable. He said, but even in that, I know that I need to get into the word. Because if he knew that the enemy, and I was like, this is amazing. I'll share this with you. So I, he, I sat him down and he was like, oh, we're going to do a message. I was time to leave. No. So, but this is, this is the truth. As he was having doubts, even, of, even if God's even real, understand the enemy's playbook. So start to put into place whatever you have doubt with. Get real with God. Don't put him out of the mix. Put him in the mix. Let him show up. Let him show up and show off so that you get to the place of believing again. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.